Hammer speed. Sound production, take one. Welcome, welcome everyone to Movie Night with Sif. I'm your host, Gabby, and boy, do I have a show for you today. The big day is finally on the horizon, folks. For the 23rd year in a row, the Calgary International Film Festival is back and better than ever, bringing you movies and so much more. An unforgettable festival experience, Sif is screening over 200 of the year's hottest films, featuring red carpets and filmmaker Q&As. But that's not all. Outside the cinema, we're hosting a ton of unique and immersive special events where listeners like you can explore art, music, video games, virtual reality, you name it. Also back for a second year is Industry Week, the place where handshaking meets filmmaking. You can go to sifcalgary.ca to learn more about everything that SIF 2022 has in store. That's C-I-F-F-Calgary.ca. On today's show, for the first time in movie night history, we have not one, not two, but three guests. That's right, the cast and crew of Francesca Prairie Queen are here. In case you missed her announcement, Francesca is one of the standout feature films in SIF's Alberta Spotlight selection. The beautiful and vibrant documentary is a proud addition to our amazing festival lineup, and we can't wait for you all to see it. Francesca Prairie Queen follows the journey of a Filipino care worker, Francis Kiko Utrago, as he tries to achieve drag superstardom while still financially supporting his family back in the Philippines. Kiko's mission is complicated a bit by the fact that he and his fiancé live in a tiny Bible Belt town in southern Alberta. When a typhoon hits his parents' home, Kiko relies on his drag persona, Francesca Dynamites, to bring in the extra cash they desperately need. Director Laura O'Grady intimately documents the highs and lows of Kiko's journey as he prepares for a pageant. Kiko works through memories of past traumas and triumphs, while ensuring that Francesca Dynamites blooms into much more than just a talented lip synker. Here to tell us all about their wonderful film are the director, Laura O'Grady, producer, Rossman Valencia, and the star of the show, Kiko Utrago. Laura, Kiko, Rossman, how are you all doing today? Good, thank you for having us. Great. Fantastic, so <laughs> glad to hear. Excellent, You're thank doing you good? for having us today. Lovely, of course, mm-hmm. thank you for coming. So first things first, I want to wish a happy birthday to our artistic director, Brian, who actually programmed this movie. So if you will all join me, he'll be so embarrassed by this. If you will all join me in saying a big happy birthday, Brian, just on the count of three. One, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Brian! <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to love that. All right. Um, well, I have to say, I watched your movie today, and I just loved it. It was such an uplifting and vibrant story. I can't wait for people to see it at SIF in a couple of weeks. Laura, I know you've had movies at the festival before. You had Undetectable last year, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. How does it feel to be screening at SIF yet again? SIF has always been um, a great supporter of me and lots of Alberta filmmakers, which I'm always very, very grateful for. I don't like to take it for granted because it's a very competitive festival and you're mm-hmm. internationally renowned festival. So uh, it's a great honor to be selected and the audiences are always so supportive. It's a great festival. It's one of the best. Thank you so much, Laura. Don't go on. Um, speaking of the festival, can we expect to see you all on a red carpet, perhaps? Should I say yeah? <laughs> it's a must. I got... Yes, I'm ready. Well, I... <laughs> you're invited to come down whenever you like. We'd love to see whatever look you pull together for that red carpet. That would be just such a delight for us. Now, uh, Lauren Rosman, going back to the beginning, mm-hmm. how did you come to learn about Kiko, Laura, specifically, and why did you choose to make a movie about him? Yeah, so I first, Kiko is the daytime worker, you know what I mean? The daytime person. Francesca is the drag um, star. Of course. And so I first met, uh, I don't, well, I didn't meet her. I stalked her at a... uh, At a um, small town medicine hat pride festival, we were shooting something else there and um, it was early in the day and the weather was quite chilly and there weren't a lot of people there yet. And my shoot was a a bit challenging because I was hoping for a lot of people there. So I was watching 
the first performers and Francesca happened to be one of them. Again, there was not a huge audience given the weather, but um, she just gave it. And then when they interviewed her, you know, and gave all of her pageant titles, I had never heard of those pageant titles within the Filipino community. I was really intrigued. And she was such a star, like not going half bleep. (laughs) Um, She was giving her all. She was giving it her all. um, And you could see the work ethic and, you know, and and wearing platform shoes in a field. And so I tracked her down um, and that was in 2018. So it's taken me a little while to to find the right home. And I'm grateful that uh, TELUS Originals came on board to to support the film. So how long ago did you start actually making this movie? It's been a pretty short shoot period. Um, we shot some test footage in the winter of 2019. And then we started shooting in earnest um, in the fall um, in 2020. But we definitely hit shooting pretty aggressively in the fall of, of last year. And then we stopped shooting um, in May of this year. Awesome. So, Rossman, I did want to ask you, how did you hear about this project? How do you become involved? At the very beginning, I would just like to talk about how I actually met Francesca, mm. right? Francesca actually got involved or joined a pageant before. Yes. The Filipinas Canada. Yes. And, and I cannot remember what year that was. Uh, that was also 2018. That was 2018. And... That's where you would see Kiko or slash uh, Francesca's um, excellence when it comes to the stage presence, right? right? And then we eventually became friends. And then uh, eventually Francesca actually mentioned that there is a possibility here of a documentary that can be done about me. And I said, that is exciting. Hmm. I am very happy for you. So how, how can I help? And then... Francesca mentioned that, well, you can be a consultant in a way to look um, at the proper translations in Tagalog and also making sure that the culture or the, the our culture is represented very well and reflected very well. Mm-hmm. And so Francesca actually suggested it to Laura. And on the other hand, I was also, or I am a volunteer for the Calgary Gay History Project. And the person or or the director of the Calgary History Project, Kevin Allen, mentioned to Laura, well, I know this this guy who can definitely help you with all those things that you want to to make sure that are appropriate and correct in this documentary that you're doing. So both of them thought that it's Rossman. (laughs) And so that's how I got involved. And I said, I guess it's serendipitous, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was was meant to be. Mm -hmm. It was meant to be. Mm -hmm. Kiko, I want to ask you, what did you first think when you were asked to be the subject of this film or when you thought "Mm, this could be a really good movie? And how was the filming process for you? I've never been in, uh, invited by any producer here in Canada. So when Laura messaged me, I was kind of reluctant because I don't know her. Like It could yeah. be somebody's scammer on social <laughs> media and she messaged me through Messenger. So I was kind of reluctant and I asked her, your reference, I guess. And then good thing she messaged me with the previous documentary that she made about the queer had rights. And yep. I just watched that a month before she messaged me, and I loved that piece. And then, okay, and I researched her name, <laughs> mm. just to make sure, and before I agreed to... Just give it a quick Google. Yes. Yeah. I feel confident. I 
was excited but I'm also reluctant I'm scared yeah um on how it's gonna develop because they're gonna ask personal questions about yes. my life my cultures and that's when I referred Rossman because I'm confident he's my friend and I needed somebody who can help me say the right things because I don't want to give information and I said represent the Filipino community that misrepresented my our culture that's the part I just want to be careful but I I'm not scared to tell the fact about my life story. So there there's a reluctancy in the beginning and then it's only hit when started filming about my transformation to a drag show when they follow me in my pageantry it makes me excited. I mean I think that's a very valid concern to have and it's something that when you're making a movie that's I thought it was very well executed of course I'm not a member of the Filipino community so you know maybe I'd have to see it with those eyes to know for sure but I thought it was really tactfully done and it is because you're ensuring that you have someone on set who's kind of taking care yeah. of you in your way and, and taking care of your culture. I think that was really important and I'm really glad you did that because it made for a great movie. Now getting a little bit into your backstory, how long have you been doing drag and um, kind of why did you start? Like, why did you get into it? I think late 2017 and I started as a backup dancer in Lethbridge Pride Society. Mm. I wasn't drag queen that time. I was Kiko. I danced in the Filipino community in Lethbridge as a Kiko and then backup dancer for the drag queens and then when i saw the drag queens perform they were so happy and the audience are enjoying so it make me feel like oh i feel like i can do it but i don't i'm not ready and then somebody from club didi dioni asked me we need volunteers for table pride kiko maybe you can be a drag queen she just mm. literally pushed me in the back and i said yes and that was it so the first table pride that was my first time i did drag oh wow and i don't have a drag name at the time Did you have any like draft drag names like before you settled on Francesca were there hmm. any other options? I just said Kiko. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and then it was the audience who kept giving a feedback I'm like oh she's like a bomb in the stage so that's when I got the idea. Or maybe I want dynamite but I heard some queen they have first name and last name so I adopted from my real name is Fran- Francis so mm-hmm. I make it two name Francesca and my last name Dynamite. And I also read in the documentary that that you know was kind of a, a name that people used to call you. Yes. Um back in the Philippines because they were kind of signaling at your sexuality or your gender identity. We don't really talk about in the Filipino community LGBT that it's okay to clock out or out the queer member. So it, from elementary, high school and college, they always noticed that I'm kind of like feminine. So instead of calling me Francis, they would call me Cheska or Francesca. Mm-hmm. Like they they they're they're, they're like kind of bully, but I don't yeah. know the word bully that, that we don't talk about at school. Instead of calling me gay or bakla, but sometimes they call me bakla. So mm-hmm. I denied and sometimes they call me Cheska Francesca. So that's when I decided you know what? I'm going to own that name. I'm going to take it back. Yeah, I'm going to own it and make it Francesca's most mm-hmm. drag name. I love that. You know, the uh, drag queen Trixie Mattel has a very similar story where I'm not sure if you're familiar with, yes. with Trixie Mattel. Love her. Her stepfather was really mad that she yeah. was gay and so he would say you're such a Trixie and now she's <laughs> turned that into a multi-million dollar empire. So it works. Yes. <laughs> it works. <laughs> Make your oppression work for you. <laughs> um, so, where do you see yourself actually? If you if you didn't have drag as an outlet, where would you where would you have gone? In the beach. Oh. Travel the world, have a fiance, a man, and travel around the world. I love that. But I do it now in drag, and also I'm almost done with my house in the Philippines. You're almost done with your house in the Philippines. Yeah, I built a house in the Philippines for my parents after the typhoon. Oh my goodness, that's yeah. so lovely. Oh. On the top of the mountain. Well, I'm glad to hear they're doing better. Yeah. In the movie, you refer to yourself as a proud small town queen. Yes. 
what do you enjoy the most from being what about it is like you know what i'm glad i'm from a small town and not this like big city you don't have a lot of competitor out there <laughs> it's all <laughs> yours <laughs> but you have to work so hard to get a platform in a big city and looking for a community to accept you is kind of hard i said i own it a lot of queens said they're fraud city queens you know what else they said so i said oh i want to be a small town queen or Well, I think as you said, it's like it maybe it's not that many gigs, but yes. you do get to be the star of the gigs yes, that there correct. are. So, <laughs> so Lauren Rossman, back to you guys. What was it like for you all to film in a small town? And did you have experience working in that kind of setting? I'm kind of imagining trying to get a crew out there. If Was it just two people? Like, how big was this crew? How did that work? Lethbridge is where Francesca performs a lot. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and the center of a lot of the Filipino community work there, too. So we shot some days in Sterling and Cody's in-laws and Kiko's fiance is named Cody and he's lovely and they were very welcoming and his family's very welcoming. But in Lethbridge, I'm actually a big fan of Lethbridge to shoot in because they have a very strong queer community there, mm. um, a very strong drag community there. And they're doing some really cool creative work there. We brought in our DP, Mike Sorrell from Calgary um, and myself and, and when Rossman could accommodate in his very busy schedule uh, would join us. And uh, our wonderful sound person, Brenda Savilla. And so we were very fortunate on the crew. And then we used Lethbridge talent as well. Photographers, a really great drone guy. It was a great collaborative effort between Lethbridge talent and Calgary Creative as well. What's it like making films in Alberta just in general during this sort of wild time when we have so many big productions coming in? Yeah, it's uh, great for the community. It's great for the creative community. Um, the Alberta tax credit was instrumental for those larger productions. Smaller productions like ours get a little crunched on crew, you know, and I don't begrudge it, of course. Like, it's great for it's great for the industry. I'm fortunate in the fact that I've built my career here so I can rely on longstanding relationships. It's always been very supportive. The Alberta Media Fund, shout out to them, supported this film as well. And so just like how Francesca had mentioned, it's great to be in a small town because you're one of a few There are a lot of documentary producers in like Vancouver and Toronto. <laughs> so um, there are some benefits to working in a town where people still are shocked that you can make a living doing what I do. So going back to you, Kiko, I was particularly impressed with your drag barn at your in-laws house. By the yes. way, how is your how is your fiance yes. doing? He's doing good. Um, he, he's a he's a healthcare worker as well. Oh, he's a uh, he loves construction. Mm -hmm. That's his passion. But. Unfortunately, he has a back problem, so he has to stop with that. But when it comes to renovation, he likes to do it. He built, uh, he used to build a chicken barn for me. <laughs> he built two chicken barns, painted it beautifully, and then another barn for my drag. And yeah. he and his mom would collect stuff for my drag room. When they get home, sometimes there's a piece of wigs in the table, <laughs> or a sparkly dress from, from his mom. And Cody is just more on uh, anything that he can use for a uh, hammer and nails and fix the house and he would make sure that my drag room is all in place i love that we love a supportive <laughs> king thank you i understand that you make quite a few of your things yes. did you make anything that we saw you wear in the pageant and how long did like the hardest one take to make i made my festival costume it used to be a, a, a dress i cut it into a bodysuit and put feathers and then put some blings in it mm -hmm. and then a cardboard painted it turned it to the coffin i have a lot of creativity in my mind it's just like the materials here in canada is so hard to find and expensive i just touch the material and feel what i can make out of it 
Oh my gosh. Uh, that's it. And then, no pattern? No pattern. I, sometimes I, I do well when everyone is in bed at two o'clock in the morning at three <laughs> o'clock. And I'm in the drag room doing my stuff. Yeah. And I, I walk up late. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't tell the day at the time how long does it take. But it's, it's usually early in the morning I do my stuff. So in the doc, you did mention that uh, drag pageants are really popular in the Philippines. Yes. Now, as I understood it from earlier when you said you started in 2017 here, um, you didn't actually, you didn't, have you done drag in, in the Philippines? No, I never seen any drag queen in the Philippines. I never been into a pride festival, but I saw pageant queens and televisions in the small towns competing, but I never tried to cross dress in the Philippines, not right. until I moved in Canada. How is drag in the Philippines different to drag in Alberta? Is there an aspect of Filipino culture that maybe contributes to that popularity? Oh, absolutely. When it comes to drag, actually, it's an art that is actually rising now in the Philippines, right? Really? Yes. And so if we will look at the ancient history of the Philippines, there are actually the bakla, the bayagons. And these are the people that are switching from being a woman to a man. Mm-hmm. So there is that um, interchange when it comes to sexuality, right? They are very sacred beings comparative to the two spirits, the two spirits yeah. here in Canada and the Turtle Island. And so it has always been part of our culture. However, th- that kind of um, dualism, right, when it comes to the changes when it's to becoming a sacred person and then eventually a man and a woman it's it's part of that and then the spanish occupation happened yep. and it has to be erased however during the spanish spanish occupation many people have no idea about this but there were actually spies what yes spies that used drag in order for to, to to help the not the warriors but the katipuneros who are the people that are revolting against the Spanish occupation to make the Philippines free. And so there has always been part of that historical document and historical events. And so it's it's always been part of our culture, right? And thus during the American occupation, it's the same thing, being spies. And so in in the theater before, there in the theater the vaudevilles of the during the American occupation, same thing. Men and women were trying to change roles by doing drag and whatnot it's not like the drag that we have here like the context of the present but there's that interchange right like changing but putting um be being in a different persona it has always been part and then now it is absolutely very popular, right? It's, the, it's part of our popular culture now. Many of the younger generation actually is quite, they, they are loving the RuPaul's Drag Race, right? And they talk about it a lot. And it's just part of the daily conversation. So, and there are bars now, yes. right, in the Philippines that always, you know, that always um, accommodates drag shows, even in the 90s. Oh my goodness. You know, and in the 80s in the Philippines. So it has always been part, but there's always been a line too. Drag is entertainment. Other than that, there's nothing more to it, right? So line of being, that's an art, maybe for comedy per se, right? Mm -hmm. But we have to understand that 
the drag before in the Philippines is equated with activism, with spying, love of country, those things. So, but when it comes to like in your personal life, adopting that and maybe being, oh, I'm transgender, would that be something that is maybe less accepted? Because it's not like a performance. There's a lot of socialization that was involved there, right? Socialization because of the factor of the church, the media and whatnot. And so Philippines is getting better, getting better when it comes to accepting the gender identities, sexualities, right? Mm -hmm. And however, there are there's still a long way that needs to be done. You know, in making sure that the rights of uh, these uh, people, queer people, to us LGBTQ in the Philippines, you know, are honored, of course, and amplified. It is taking a long time, but we're getting there. What do you think people who like maybe didn't grow up in the Philippines and have no idea about it might be surprised to learn about that community there and about the drag scene there? I know you mentioned the history of it. Is there anything that you... Maybe had to explain on something you were like, oh, wait. Growing up as a queer in the Philippines, um, I have to say that I have a very different experience compared to the others as much, you know, as the other queer, how they grow up, right? I was accepted right away in my family. So that in itself is a privilege that I am always grateful. I've always claimed my space. Let's put it that way. And it's because of the family members that has always supported me in whatever way they can. And so looking looking at the documentary here, Kiko's life is actually a reflection of the queer life in the Philippines, especially growing up in the province, right? And growing up and, and having a different experience here in, in Canada, to be specific. It's not always accepting that there's a lot of notion that you're okay to be gay as long as you won't be in a relationship because that's something that is that is not okay. You have to stop doing that. You just be feminine. What do you all hope to achieve with this documentary? What do you want people to take away from it? Is this movie more for people that maybe don't know anything about a situation like Kiko's or is it more for people that can relate to Kiko's experience to sort of look at it and feel heard? Are we looking to teach or to relate? My goal is not to make other people bad and not to blame other people, but mm-hmm. to inspire and learn from it. Although in this documentary, there's a little bit of history, a trauma, and bad experience with the, like a suicide, losing a friend, um, harassment, uh, a war history that I never heard until like I found out like last year. Um, there's a little bit of everything in this documentary that I learned as, as we've finish it that I never expected. Uh, hopefully this will enlighten the parents on how they should treat their LGBT kids. Mm. Sometimes parents are the first bully in the family. It's because I cannot blame as well the parents because they were old old school. Like they have a very strong religious belief. You know, I don't know how, but hopefully somebody even just one parents to wake up one day and then okay, I get this. Francesca spoke beautifully there. For me it's also about as a cis white lady, <laughs> um, you know, who was gr- very grateful to be welcomed into um, this part of the Filipino community. Kiko, Francesca's other side, um, is a frontline healthcare worker and does the jobs of taking care of our parents and our most vulnerable populations during a pandemic that we take for granted. Right. And 
Kiko goes in, wears a mask, does his job, and maybe we should ask more questions about the individuals and what they need and the families that they're supporting at home and what that means and how that is a much bigger commitment than most of us in Canada grew up with in that culture. And having that understanding can probably lead to more kindness <laughs> towards the people who really support our entire community. And uh, I'm grateful for their work. And I'm grateful to <laughs> be invited to tell this this story. And selfishly, I would love for people to see how awesome Francesca oh. is. Yes. And, and, uh, and uh, what an he- awesome human being Kiko slash Francesca is. And, uh, book- and she gets lots of bookings. Yes. <laughs> Please. Now, one or all of you can give me an answer to this. Can you tell me your most embarrassing festival story? It's not embarrassing, and I will redact all names, but I used to work as an entertainment reporter slash producer, and we went to TIFF for quite a few years, the Toronto International Film Festival. A lovely woman who I worked with was a host, um, and she, of course, was very attractive, and I was her producer, and a CBC personality who will, a uh, former CBC personality who are, is, will remain nameless, asked her to come back to his house. <laughs> and then he made news for being, um, you know, a despicable human being. So she declined. And uh, we said, wow, good thing that you were in a very committed relationship and made the right choice there. <laughs> so it's not embarrassing, but it is a weird thing to look back at in retrospect. Embarrassing for him. Well, you know what? We're all out of time ourselves. I think it's time we do some games. Y'all ready? Sure, let's try it. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. It's time to play One Star Reviews, the game where distinguished members of the film and television community try to guess films by hearing a bad review. This week's theme is drag movies. All right, Laura, I can tell you're nervous already. Don't worry, because we are actually starting with Francesca. Nothing could have possibly prepared me for how attracted I would be to Patrick Swayze in a wig. The two one four. Yes, it is Good job, good job, right on. One great. Great, great start. All right, the second one is for Laura. All right. On the one hand, it's one of the best documentaries ever made. On the other, I cracked my ankle in half trying to Vogue. Zero stars. That is an easy one. Paris is Burning. Yes, it's Paris is Burning. It is one of the best documentaries ever made. It is really good. If you haven't seen Paris is Burning, go Mm -hmm. see it. Y'all are doing really well. This Uh, is a pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? You should have pressure because this is the hardest one. This whole movie is just Robin Williams flopping his way through his Hannah Montana era. I love Robin Williams, but I cannot remember the title of this film. It's like a mama. Yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire? It's yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire. Doubtfire. Thank you. I don't know if I would say that was direct. Well, I don't know if I'd say that was direct. But Francesca, I would you consider it's that a, a drag? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would consider that. She's putting a wig. Yeah, no, that's true. true. That was actually funny. It was a good film. Paddings. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah <laughs> she's got huge boobs. And yeah. yeah. yeah you're so, right. would you consider White Chicks yeah. a drag film white too? Chicks is yes. Drag. It's got its own problematic tones, but it's got its drag. <laughs> I would say it's a drag. I, I would say, say. Drag. if Mrs. Doubtfire is drag, White Chicks can be drag. All right, Marvel Williams, yeah. calm down.
It's time for the second game, blah, 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 where we give you iconic quotes from throughout movie history and you tell us what film the quotes are from. First up, we have Hiko slash Francesca. Are you ready? Okay, bring it on. <laughs> bring it on is the correct response. <laughs> oh my God. All right, here's the first clip. Don't be shy, okay? There are no rules in this house. I'm not like a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. That sounds so familiar, the tone of the... I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Would you like a hint? Sure, please. Lindsay Lohan is in this movie. I give up. <laughs> it's from Mean Girls. Oh, yes. Yes! Yes! yes. yes. Oh, how could I miss that? Nobody's perfect. All right, here's the second quote for Laura. Let's see if you know this. I have faith in you. I'm also just a girl. Standing in front of a boy. Asking him to love me. <laughs> Notting Hill. It is Notting Hill. Wow. Wow, we're on that line locked and loaded. Oh my goodness. All right, well, one point so far. If you want to get a two out of three, it's all on you, Rossman. Okay, let's give it a try. Here's the I know that. I know that film, Notting Hill. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Hell of a cast. Um, well... They're showing a lot of florals right now, so I was thinking I could florals do for spring. Groundbreaking. Devil wears Prada. Wow, wow, wow. Amazing, you guys. Two out of three on the second game. You're headed towards a damn near perfect run. I feel like we should be, uh, we should go take this on the road. Like we should be a trivia team. <laughs> yes. A trivia team. I think so. Sign up to a pub quiz. Hey, remember, Sif does trivia nights in the off season. Seriously, though, that was an amazing turn at all of these games. And thank you so, so, so much for coming down to talk to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having us. Okay, that's a wrap.